Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The views and opinions expressed by hosts invited speakers and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Revolution comes with a price tag. You were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have. Told you turn the other cheek. And they made it with a bad fucking protest in them cities. Told you go fight in the war. Vietnam, you died, good riddance. The man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around a pump crack right up in your city. And they turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war. Now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets. Killed Malcolm and Martin. Called the National Guard up because we ride with our guard up. And that was blooding your guard. It's like in the mimic on the plot. To you, everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. The one that you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Good afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Today's date is August 24th, 2015. I tell you, man, this year is going by really, really, really fast. I mean, we are more than halfway through the year, and I'll tell you, 2016 is coming up on us fast, and uh, 2016 is a presidential election year, and so, you know, a lot of people are engaged in the people activity area of politics, and today our guest, that is what we will be speaking about with Marcus Jackson, who is a representative of One Million Conscious Black Voters and contributors you can uh check out the website i am one of the million dot com i am one of the million dot com if you want to uh get more information about how do you join uh this movement to gather together one million conscious black voters and contributors but we will be talking to mr marcus jackson today about uh, this movement in the people activity area of politics by black people. Um, it is certainly something that I'm interested in, um, and I've mentioned them in the past before. I think uh, one of our media partners, Time for Awakening Radio, which comes on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 
uh, they have also, you know, covered uh, this uh, story or this organization or this movement. They are part of it. Uh, One million black voters and conscious contributors. All right. And then, so certainly as a new abolitionist, um, as one who knows that slavery was never abolished, that the 13th Amendment legalized slavery as punishment for crime um, as one of, I would say, thousands right now. I have to go look at our group, our informal group, Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery on Facebook, but it seems like every day I'm adding 20 to 30 people who have requested to join the group. I'm not sending out invitations or for just adding people without their permission. Oh, these people are hearing about Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery and Human Trafficking, and they are requesting to become members. And one of the things I was talking about in the group over the weekend was the need to study groups like um, the American Legislative Exchange Council, um, also known as ALEC, who is mostly known for the right-wing legislation that has been introduced in many states, and we need to study that model. If we're going to participate in politics, we got to know how the game is played. We got to know the rules of the game if we are going to be effective. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation today with Mr. Jackson. And of course, anyone who would like to call in and share their thoughts, uh, you can do so uh, by giving us a call at 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. The other way to uh, get in touch with us is through the studio line. That is 704-951-5030. 704-951-5030 is the studio line. Um, I did not post any news stories that I wanted to discuss today, to be honest with you. I'm just really running behind. I got so many projects going on. I have spread myself in. And I'm going to have to make it a point not to take on any new projects because I just got too much going on. And then I have all this other technical stuff to do with Black Talk Radio Network. And I, I just I'm just over overextended uh, myself and I'm not blaming anyone but myself. Uh, but there is just so much work to do. So much so many things that we need to be studying, so many things we need to be implementing um, just so much, so much to do. Um, as we wait on um, our guest, Mr. Uh, Jackson, to uh, call in to the program, I'm serious about, you know, studying the model that ALEC um, has presented. ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council or Commission, um, was started in the 1970s. And I don't think anyone can argue that they are not a force in politics in the United States. You have all these corporations who are, are member corporations or sponsors of ALEC. They donate millions of dollars. They have conferences and, and retreats for these politicians and, and all expenses paid. And they bring them in there and they give them the legislation that they have written 
themselves. And then, you know, these legislators go back to their home states or go to the federal government and then they introduce the legislation that has been written by corporations. And so that's something we need to be doing. That is that's something that we need to be doing, although Hillary Clinton is a racist. And I thought that um, the exchange that she had with the BLM Boston uh, activists that she was kind of talking down to them and you know she was making some statements that I felt like she was being very deceptive but one of the things that she did say um, that has some merit is you know where's your policy where is your policy agenda where is your legislation that you want me to produce and one of the things I did over the weekend one of the things I was uh, studying was well, how do you write a bill? Is it difficult? And then I found it's not really that difficult. But before I go into that, I think we have our guest on the line. Do we have you on the line, Mr. Jackson? Yes, this is Marcus Jackson. Uh, greetings to you, brother. It is good to speak to you today. Absolutely. Good afternoon to you. All right. And to you listening on Okay. We seem to be getting some feedback uh, off of your line. Do you are you happening? Uh, do you happen to be outside? That may be what I'm hearing in the background. I'm using a uh, headset. Let me pick your headset. Okay. All right. Cause we. I can it, try that. Is that uh, any better? That is a 100% better, sir. Thank you. All right, no problem. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we just want everybody to be able to hear you clearly because uh, what you have come on today's program to talk about is very important. I cannot stress enough how important uh, the work that you, you all are engaged in is to the black community. And we're seeing that play out right now in the news headlines. As I was just discussing before you called in, you had Hillary Clinton uh, pretty much chastising those BLM Boston activists and saying well you know where's your legislation where's your policy initiatives what what exactly do you want me to push and while i felt like as i was just telling the listeners that she was being condescending that she was being deceptive i think that was a legitimate uh point to bring up and um there appears to have been a split in those activists who were associating with the hashtag blm and now there's a new one and they're using the hashtag we the protesters but they set up a website called campaign zero i think it's join campaign zero uh dot org and it has policies on there that they are advocating for but i don't think it goes far enough but it is a step in the right direction so so with that said i think that a movement by conscious black people especially one led by some of our elders is very much needed and can fill that void. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on what I just shared with you? Oh, no problem. Thank you, brother. So, yeah, I didn't know about the the, the break in the groups of, or, or breaking the ties of the Black Lives Matter movement. I was unaware of that, so thank you for sharing that with me. Um, but I do think their effort is, has, been, has been great. They've been bringing our issues to the forefront, particularly with policing and such. Um, but we know that for our people, we need much more. We need to have an agenda set. And situations like that where we get attacked, you know, we, we have to expect that. 
It's going to be Hillary Clinton. It's going to be Jed Bush. It's going to be all these candidates want to disbelieve, want to attack us, want to try to minimize what we're trying to do. But if we're ready, we can fight back. We can get our agendas achieved. We can overcome our issues. So at our website, which is IamOneOfTheMillion.com, we have an agenda set. It's a 15 plank agenda. And we call on other groups that are out there that care about voting, that care about resolving our issues, they care about making a difference in our communities. We want to unite. We want to practice operational unity with our people and with our organizations to get the job done. But we want to be sure that the listeners know that this is about conscious black men and conscious black women throughout the United States coming together. It's not about the people that's going to put us second or put us in last place, as Malcolm X has been telling us. And we've been putting one party first place, and they've been putting us in the last place. You know, we have to have conscious individuals that are at the foremost concerned about what is best for the black collective. So our organization is named One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. And I'd like to take a second to tell you how we came up with that. We didn't just randomly pick one million. One million represents about 2% of our population of African Americans in the United States. About 45 million black people in the U.S. So 2% of that would officially be about 900,000 and we round it up to the more practical number of one million. So that's where our name comes from. So we're talking about recruiting at least 2%. That 2% should be what you call the the first responders. You're the first people that are willing to step up and recognize that it's about the black collective that is doing well. It's about strengthening our, ourselves. And then we can show it as an example to the other 98% to bring them on. So we call for 1 million, at least 1 million begin to vote together as a united block of voters and to use our dollars, leverage our dollars to give to campaign initiatives for the candidates that we'll negotiate with as well as fund internal economic initiatives that we'll set up within our community, for our community, so for us, by us. So when those two things are together, and that's the reason, the main reason why I joined this organization was because I saw my two forefathers come for me, and Brother Amafika Gayuka and James Cleaner. Brother Amafika is over more of the social, political aspects of the campaign, has had a uh, African Center school for 16 years, and Brother James Cleaner is over our uh, economic aspects. Uh, both he and Gayuka come under the leadership of Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, but that economic piece, as well as the voting and influence in public policy, when I saw these two titans come together, it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And I'm 31 years old. These brothers are in their 60s and such. So we have a dynamic range of African-American, conscious African-Americans that are coming together from all ages. 
And you have people that are joining as 18 years old. So we go from 18 on up to 70 and, and even further. It was all about people coming together and deciding that now is the time. And no more should we put ourselves in last place. We have to come together and do for self. I want to talk um, today. I want to focus more on the political aspect of, of the sure. organization. Now, the first question I want to ask, and let me uh, preference this question by saying, I'm a political analyst myself. I've been doing, you know, political talk radio since 2007. I, you know, this is like something that I spend a whole lot of time on, something I spend, okay. you know, researching, reading, and things of that nature. Now, um, Hillary Clinton. I had been observing some of the uh, voting polls that had came out. And Hillary Clinton, for example, who is who is often said is the front runner of the Democratic Party. Um, some of the polls I've been reading here recently shows that she is losing a lot of support among even white women. That white people in general um, is 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 not supporting Hillary Clinton. They do not have a favorable viewpoint. And in about a month's time, she lost like ten percentage points in the polls. Now. On the flip side of that, when we talk about black voters, she is polling still in the high 80 percentile um, uh, rate. And the only thing I can contribute that to is low information voters in the black community. Because if, if you are in the black community and you acknowledge that what they call mass incarceration, which we call it modern slavery on this network, um, what they call mass incarceration, what they call, you know, police brutality and violence and, and all of that, all of that type of stuff. Hillary Clinton, along with her husband in the 90s, were the chief architects of the of that type of legislation. So if you're saying now all of those things are a problem, how can you then support this woman as a community at, at such a high rate when even white people, white females are abandoning her campaign. So that leads me into the question of can you define what a conscious black voter is? Because I would certainly say the people I described to you, the, those black voters are unconscious in their support for Hillary Clinton. So if you could define that for us today, what is a conscious black voter? Sure thing. So let's start with the, the opposite here. What's an unconscious black voter? Well, it's what we've been doing this whole time. Again, going back to Brother Malcolm told us that uh, we've been putting the one party first without demanding anything from them. That's what unconscious black voters are doing. They don't negotiate. They don't use their wherewithal. They don't use their power to make demands to these candidates. You cannot give a candidate your vote without organizing and without demanding something in return. It is quid pro quo. And you're Absolutely. speaking as a voting block. Just as a voter. Absolutely. So there's about five steps in this voting process. And black people, really, I look at it as more of the extreme. I look at it as basically we've never voted in America. We participated in the illusion of voting. We've gone to the polls as individuals and thinking that we just cast our ballot, that it's going to be all right. 
or we just choose between the lesser of the two evils. That strategy has gotten us where? Nowhere. We're still fighting for the same thing. It looks like 2015 is still looking like 1965. Still got people getting uh, terrorized by these police terrorists, beaten down in the street, shot down. No one's addressing our issues directly. They come to our churches, our communities, just speaking rhetoric, and no one's holding them to the fire. Even back in, was it, 2013, Matt Morial, uh, Sharpton, a couple other people presented a five agenda plank, uh, five plank agenda to Obama. And what have we seen with that? Nothing. The only thing he's done is with the, with the healthcare. Of course, that's for all people, which is fine. But hasn't addressed the economic parity that's in our community. We still haven't addressed really the economic, uh, well, the, uh, the healthcare disparities and such. So that agenda hasn't been fulfilled. We, and we've been doing that because that's been happening because we haven't put power behind what we're asking for. So a conscious individual, recognize, conscious voter recognizes that we have to come together as a collective. So first step is you have to organize. Marcus Garvey says that we have to organize, right? He's been telling us that. And his example is living proof of the UNIA organization. We have to get organized. Second step, we have to set an agenda. We have to set what do we need to overcome our issues, to address the things that we need in our community. We have to set an agenda. And you have to present that agenda to the candidates. We can go to the Democratic Party and say, what you going to do for us? Well, they'll say they'll give you 10 out of 15. We go to the Republican. They say you do 11 out of 15. We go to the Independents. They give you 12. We keep going round round until we get the most out of our agenda fulfilled. So it's negotiating that third step, fourth step, something that black people in America have not done, is contribute to political funds. Money is the mother's milk to politics. They have to set certain objectives, they have to get their uh, their, their needs need objectives fulfilled and such, and it takes money, campaign. And we have to put up our money to do so. And then in the last step is when you go to the polls. After that, the candidate has agreed that he's going to do X, Y, and Z for you based on what the agenda you laid out in step two. Then and only then, you go to the polls and you vote for that candidate because you have already done the preceding four steps. So if we think that we are just going to get our solutions overcome by simply voting simply casting a ballot, we are incorrect. That's only one out of the five steps that I'm explaining here. Now, if you were taking a test in school, and if you got one out of five, that would be, what, 20%. Now, last time I checked, when I was growing up, 65 was 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 a D. Anything lower than that is a, was an F. So if we've been doing 20%, we've been failing at the voting process. It is now time, ladies and gentlemen, that we get a 100% on our voting process, on our voting strategy. We need to do all five things. If you want to do that, if you believe in that, if you recognize that this is the first opportunity that we as a collective black people can do that, then you will sign up for this campaign. Again, that website is IamOneOfTheMillion.com.
Our full name is One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. That's One Million. Now, are there any models um, out there already? Um, because I'm one of those that I believe you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You might have to tweak it, you know, do something to the spokes or something like that. But you don't need to reinvent vent the wheel. So are there any models, existing political models? Like I'm thinking right now, APEC. APEC is one of the most powerful uh, political lobbying groups in the United States is so powerful that it is able to secure billions of dollars for non-U.S. citizens, taking U.S. citizens' tax dollars and, and giving it away for free. These are handouts. This is welfare on the national, on the international level. And, and so, you know, that takes some power to where you can just, you know, get politicians to give all of this welfare to another country okay and so that 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 just really um that group right there just really i believe has a more influence or is representative of a so-called minority group who come together as a collective and put their money together and are are able to influence uh, politics disproportionately. Every major presidential candidate, except for a couple that I can think of, has gone to these APEC conferences to kiss the APEC ring and tell those people what we're going to do for you. So is there any kind of models that you're looking at from the past? I know you mentioned Marcus Garvey, um, you know, organizing model, but in terms of of political models, is that the kind of force that um, the conscious black or or the one million conscious black voters and contributors is looking to become absolutely, absolutely. That's a part of the negotiating process and such. You could count it as a six step, the whole lobbying, and we are ready to do that. We are ready to set up a, uh, a political pact uh, to, to collect our money from our individuals and and lobby for our interests. That's all in the negotiating piece to get there. Um, but there are models that are all around us. Mm-hmm. There are other groups of people. So you, it's, it's the answer is simple. There's other groups of people that do this. It's just black people have not done this collectively. Or we effectively. Or effectively. Yeah, or effectively, exactly. Mm-hmm. It could be the LGBT community. I mean, they banded together, put their money together, and put their votes when it, when it, when it came time to vote, you know, state level, local levels. They banded together and 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 decided what they were going to do and fulfilled it. Look at the Asian community in America. They only there's a fraction of our of our numbers. Why is there a, a a Chinese a Chinatown in every major city in America? Because they band together. They practice operational unity. They put their money together. These politicians are 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 in their, are in their pockets. Black people need to do the same thing. So as we call on one million conscious black brothers and sisters nationwide, we could call on those people after we get our people, our members, after we get our numbers and say, we need to give each $3 or $5. $5 over a million people is $5 million. Well, if a candidate, we want to give them a, a million of that, we can put that directly into their political fund, into their political fund. 
we can even hold out the money and say, well, you do something for us. After you get off, we give a little more money to your political fund after you get in. Mm-hmm. We can close the gap on anything. Where we continuously be that swing voter in American politics, whether it be on a local level, state level, and in particular on a national level. We continue to be there. Where we have not utilized what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. There's so many campaigns that are out here that they still don't run off votes and such. Why? Because they need our vote. We are the difference makers. Some Malcolm they, said years ago. Exactly. Malcolm has been teaching us that. And he, Brother Malcolm called us political chumps. Are we still a chump? Are we still in that doghouse that he speaks about? Mm-hmm. Can't be. This is, it, we we have to stop this. This is, this is foolery. Right. Um, Malcolm talked about, and and we play a lot of clips from Malcolm on this program. Um, you know, uh, he's had such a tremendous influence uh, on my life, and in that speech, ballot or the bullet. Or the you bullet. know, he talk he talks about black people developing. Um, intellectual independence and political maturity and I had commented on that last week and I said that where again I was talking about the the high support that Hillary Clinton has um, in the black community among black voters uh, illustrates that we have not reached that political maturity we have not reach that intellectual independence and, and that's that's what I see in analyzing the support for Hillary Clinton Okay, um, let me see. Uh, we we have you back. I think we must have lost you. You back, bro? Yeah. All right. I'll tell you what. I'm going to take um, station identification break when we come back. I want to talk to you about a PAC. Uh, I want to talk All more right. about a political action community because it's something I've been discussing among uh, a group that I work with, uh, Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery. All right. You're listening to black talk radio news right here on the black talk radio network let me give the phone number out because we do have a new number this is the last time the number will change for the conference line that number is 641-715-3660 that's 641-715-3660 the participant code is 549-032-POUND of course for those already dialed in, if you have a question or comment, hit star six and want to comment on air. Uh, we certainly would like to have the listeners input on this. All right. We will be back on the other side and continue our conversation with Mr. Marcus Jackson, a representative of one million conscious black voters and contributors. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back, listeners. Again, we are in conversation with Mr. Marcus Jackson. I do want to implore you to visit the website. I am one of the million dot com. I am one of the million dot com. If you got family members and they're, you know, um, they have voted in the past or they're thinking about voting, uh, most certainly you need to tell them they need to check out this, this website. 
Now, um, Mr. Jackson, I wanted to talk to you about political action committees. Um, let me just uh, define that for our listeners who may have heard of a PAC, but they don't know what that is. Certainly they've heard, you know, the conversation about these super PACs and, and how we need to get money out of politics. But, you know, money has always been in politics. And, 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 and so, you know, um, whether or not they eliminate super PACs or whatnot until they do so, it's, it's a tool that we need to be using. All right. So in the United States, a political action committee is a type of organization that pools campaign contributions from members and donates those funds to campaign for or against candidates, ballot initiatives, or to get voters behind uh, any sort of legislation. Let me uh, go a little further because you have different types of PAC. All right. Um Non-connected PACs. A non-connected PAC, what is known as a non-connected PAC, is a group with an ideological mission, uh, single-issue groups, and members of Congress and other political leaders may form non-connected PACs. These organizations may accept funds from any individual, uh, co another connected PAC, excuse me, a connected PAC, or an organization. As of January 2009, there were 1,594 non-connected PACs, the fastest growing category. The Super PAC, which I discussed, is officially known as an independent expenditure-only committee. It may not make contributions to candidates, campaigns, or political parties, but may engage in unlimited political spending independently of campaigns. Unlike traditional PACs, they can raise funds from individuals, corporations, unions, and other groups without any legal limit on donation size. So that's what we hear a lot in the media, especially from the left, about taking on uh, these super PACs or eliminating these super PACs, which came to be through, uh, I think it was Citizens uh, United, um, that that uh, Supreme Court decision, which which uh, set it up to where you can they can spend an unlimited amount of money. Now, I I was talking about this, uh, Brother Jackson, over the weekend in my, in the group that I'm a part of called Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery and Human Trafficking. And we were saying, you know, we're just an informal group. And right now our main mission is educating people on the fact that slavery has never been abolished. The 13th Amendment legalizes it as punishment for crime. And it, and it is that very reason that you have what's called mass incarceration in all these private prison uh, uh, um, companies that are, are making about three billion dollars annually you know putting people in prison so I was like do we need to form a political pact would that help us if we could you know form a political pact and then we could produce commercials pay for commercials that will be challenging candidates on the issue of 21st century slavery and human trafficking so that's my thought you know uh, about it and you mentioned uh, during the last segment that um, this is an area that one million conscious black voters and contributors is looking at moving into can you speak more yeah, about absolutely. that yeah absolutely you summarize this perfectly again our people need to be ready not to just vote not to just give uh, our, our, our dollars. We have to give our dollars. 
these politicians that they recognize their money. Okay, they respond to the money, whether you call it noble or unnoble or not. They're like basically contractors. They're hired guns to go in and fulfill interests of other folks. And those other folks are the people that are giving the money. So we want to be addressed. We want our issues addressed. We need to be able to engage in the totality of the voting process. Again, there's five steps. Setting your agenda, organize your people, being able to negotiate, donating our money, and then going to the ballot to give our votes based on what we negotiated. But we have to give to those political packs. And we can set up our own. One million conscious black voters and contributors are setting up our own. They filed the, the, the paperwork and such, which is part of the legality and the formality to get these things done. And we've done even more on the economic initiative side uh, with how we can contribute our money to pull our money together. Uh, but one and the same, we stick to the political process. We have to deliver our dollars and deliver our agenda. That time is now. We've been going too long without having our needs met. Mm-hmm. We've been going too long with just having candidates speak and give rhetoric on, on, on what they believe and what bill that they helped sign in the past. But what does that amount to? We need them to know that we are watching you. We need an accountability team to evaluate them throughout this political process in which we are doing. Uh, looking at the track record and holding them to the fire, to the, hold them to the flame. If you don't deliver, then you know that we'll vote you out on the next, uh, in the next election when that comes around. And if you want to get X amount of dollars, we can hold out our dollars just the same. We can give our votes, give our dollars, and withhold that just the same. Both are our tactics. And we need to be able to negotiate that power of our collective people with all of these politicians. Not just on the national level. I know we've been focusing on Hillary Clinton, Democratic Party, and, and mm-hmm. the upcoming presidential election. But we got to be sure to realize that this strategy that we're trying to put forth is for on the state level as well as on the local level. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, my brother, that it's even even more impactful on these local level elections and these off-year elections for senators and such. Mm-hmm. Why? Right. Because not many people actually go to the polls. Oh, man. And that has been one of my biggest criticism of black voters as a voting bloc. Uh, take my own state, North Carolina, for example. Um, man, we are in we are in hell right now with these Republicans who have taken over all branches of the government. Not to say that, you know, I, I think because I'm a nonpartisan guy, not to say that the Democratic Party, you know, is is like our savior or anything like that. But right. the Democrats here in the state were actually putting together some very progressive things and had had like pass uh laws one for example is the people that's on death row that you know if you could show jury bias in your 
in the selection of the jury that sentenced you to death that you can have your uh have that death sentence commuted to life in prison all right if that was a question so they were working on some things but again they fall very short <laughs> you know but yeah. they were certainly better than the devils we got in uh, uh in the state uh office right now and and they got in there through the midterm now see when president you know president obama pulled out a whole lot of black voters turned out a whole lot of new young black voters all right that was that was 2008 then again 2012 record numbers here in north carolina but then when the midterm came in 2014 nobody showed up or very few you know showed up and these republicans took over this state so you are exactly right what's that brother through the propaganda of particularly uh, mainstream media and in particularly uh, Fox News. And they go back and forth saying, oh, President Obama is the worst and he's ever let's bring back the Republican Party. And they take on these tactics to try to minimize our votes. You see, they're, not, they're not playing games. They, they have a, a full strategy, full arm assault. They use the media and they use the legalities to minimize our votes to get people not to show up to these holes. For black people and most people in general, what? in America, these midterm elections have been uh, have been disengaged right. with voting during the midterms. Right. But that's a tactic. That's a strategy, and it's, it's actually a strategy that has been working for the Republican Party. To be honest with you, by making people so disinterested that they want to take no part in this political process, well, they have their own faces that always come out. But what we're trying to advocate is that we need to be just the same and better. We need to say no matter what campaign, no matter what election it is, we are always going to vote for what's the best interest of the collective black people. Now, one of the things... Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. I I, I didn't... No, finish your thought. Yeah. We have to do it for the the collective black people. and not. I know you presented the, the case in North Carolina where... The Democratic Party tried to present a, a strategy or present a bill to, to make a difference. Well, they've been doing that this whole time. But well, let's think about what that's analogous to. That's like you going into a restaurant and they're telling you that they have the, the menu already set. And the only thing they're going to offer you is a hamburger. Not the bun, not the condiment, no lettuce, no tomato, no nothing. All you're getting is a straight burger. But they set the dinner. They set the menu. Well, they actually passed that bill, bro. They passed yeah. it. They passed the bill. It's called the Racial Justice Act. All right. Uh, it had a lot of support by, you know, black people in this state, and they were able to get it passed. But as soon as the Republicans came in and took control after the midterms, what did they do? They repealed the law. They repealed it. Right. Now, in terms of what you said is, is correct, most people do not turn out, and I'm talking all voters, most voters do not turn out in high numbers for midterm elections. So imagine imagine the power that a, a conscious black voting block that is going to turn out for those midterm elections, you know, just as much as they turned out for the presidential election. Just think of how much you could achieve just by turning out during the midterm. Yeah, even more. Because we're not competing with less people. We're going to be competing with less people, less other interests. 
and we have even more greater magnitude of effect and we participate in the midterms and on a local level and even on the the net then on the national level. So we have to recognize that we have to be conscious in our voting thoughts, conscious in our voting process and deliver the black agenda. But importantly, I want us I want us to go to some of our planks. Well the number one plank. Very, very, very important. When a person joins there's one million conscious black voters to contribute. We've been saying thus far that we have to do what's in the best interest of the black collective. But what we advocate for is our own. We tell our people to disengage from your political party. So if you're already a Democrat, or if you are a Republican, we say re-register, update your status to no party affiliation. No party. You have to be careful in some counties and states and such. It may be an independent party. You know, that is its own party. We want to update our status, or we are updating our status, let's say, to no party affiliation. And some applications that say no affiliation, no party affiliation, non, non-particle, or non-partisan and such. Now, why are we doing that? Because we are then, we will then be putting notice to the parties, one, that we are leaving. So most of our people, in, to be honest, in the United States are what? Democrats. We took an ex, a mass exodus of people to leave the Democratic Party. Wouldn't you think that would send off signals? Wouldn't you think that would fire off the alarm? And one million people have just been disinterested in this party. And that's going to put on notice to all other parties that these people are disengaged with the, their former political party. They have united. They've come up with an agenda for themselves. And they are negotiating and will be taken seriously. But we can't just continue to do exactly the same thing that we've been doing. I have a question. Um, I'm sorry. I have a question along those. Keep on putting putting the Democrats first because they put us last. And knowing that the Republicans don't even pay attention to it because they're not even uh, they're not even interested in our vote because they think that we're just going to simply vote Democrat anyway. Mm -hmm. Now I would agree that it would send a very strong message if you had a mass exodus out of, you know, a political party affiliation. Now, but my question is, and this is something that I have pondered years ago, years ago. I'm a registered Republican in, in the state of North Carolina, but I'm a part, I'm a nonpartisan guy. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not a Republican. I don't give them any money or, you know, you could call me a rhino. I think that's what the re- conservatives call, um, you know, some of the Republican people, rhinos, Republican in name only. So I'm a rhino. I'm a minute rhino. Now, the reason I registered as, as a rhino is because I know here in the state of North Carolina, that most of the people in the Republican Party are the extremists. Again, you know, not trying to say I'm endorsing Democrats or anything like that. And so I had this ideal, okay, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm a register as a Republican so I can vote in their primaries and vote in their primaries for the lesser of the two evils or to do whatever kind of damage I want to do. You know, uh, uh, and again, I'm, I'm just saying this in theory. I'm just one person. But if I had a whole bunch of people registered as Republicans, you know, admitted rhinos, Republican in name only, to throw a monkey wrench, if you will, into their nominating process, determining who gets the primaries. Now, in some states, they have open primaries to where it doesn't matter you know, if you are registered a uh, Democrat, a registered Republican, or you are independent, non-affiliated, you can pick one primary that you can, you know, cast a ballot in. You can't do both. You can't do the Democratic primary and the Republican primary. You have to pick one. So that that is a strategy that I had thought of years ago. Uh, but it's not something I've tried, you know, I've really put any uh, effort into pushing to other people. So th that that's my question. What about it? What about wouldn't you be foregoing in some of these states to have an impact on the uh, on who actually gets the nomination? Well, it's even further. One more uh, provision of the voting process is even in these states where you have a large percentage or you only have a candidate from one party, mm -hmm. and all people can vote as well. So if you're in North Carolina and there's only Republicans that are running for, let's say, governor, uh, then people from the Democrats and Independents and Greens and Republicans all together, they can all participate in that process mm -hmm. uh, because it's only one party that is... Uh, no, I'm talking about the primaries. Yeah, in the primary, yeah. That's oh, what okay. I mean. Yeah, yeah. So okay. once, if, there, if, they, if the state is only putting forth, let's say, a Republican, Republican candidate, then they still have to give all voters within that state, no matter no matter your party affiliation, the right to vote uh, in, in, in a case like that. However, if there's a Democrat and a Republican, then, then you have to only vote in your party. Uh, and I've been doing some personal research on that. It's just, just the same. Let me give another example. Um, I did not vote for President Obama in 2008 nor 2012. Um, I also did not vote for the Republican. What I wanted to do was to help independent third parties get a foothold in the ballot process, you know, so that they wouldn't have to every time there's a upcoming election, they got to uh, uh, get so many thousands of signatures just to get on the ballot. All right. right. Just to mix it up in North Carolina. Um, I voted for Gary Johnson, the libertarian uh, candidate in 2012, uh, because of uh, uh, one million. And this is the requirement over one million. He got about one point two million votes here in North Carolina um, because he got one point two million voters on the, you know, as the libertarian. Now the libertarians have ballot access they don't have to go through the petition process now they have automatic ballot access and they can put you know any candidate running for any particular office on on the ballots in North Carolina so so in that respect I think you know uh, uh, me voting independently and, and doing that, that that was successful and now you know North Carolinians have more than one party with ballot access, you know. Um, I, in 2008, I voted for Cynthia McKinney for the Green Party, but unfortunately, they didn't get enough 
in the enough votes in the state of North Carolina to have permanent ballot access. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about, brother. Yeah, I know what you mean. I see where your ideology is going. Um, but I, I do want to emphasize that I think we as a collective black people can take it even a step further. Mm-hmm. So as far as the, as far as the collective, because those strategies may work, uh, kind of more of a, a infrequent basis. Uh, but to be more, I believe, more consistent. See, me as a scientist, we measure that standard deviation over the, over, over an average called a percent DV. We want to have a strategy that has the highest precision in it. Okay. And setting up an agenda and doing things, having, developing a strategy that's best for the black collective and the millions of people. And I think that that's going to have the, the, the biggest impact. So by that, and I agree, we can go. We can we can we can go even further. We can eventually develop our own party. We know that right now, because of what Brother Nago said, we, we we talked about that still exists. We are that swing voter, okay? And this will be really our first time, but really, truly participating in the in the voting process. Because again, we've already laid out. We've only been doing basically one step. As a collective, mm-hmm. you, know, you might have some individuals here and there in different states and different counties and such that know that political process, but we have not done it as a unified block. Right. We have not done it for the collective people. So we want to be able to negotiate with candidates to get what we want to get uh, into effect for public policy and eventually be able to develop our own political party. And if you see at that website, that is one of our plans to develop Apart, and you look at the brother, name is Louis Ali down in Louisiana. He started a campaign or a think tank called the, the Hot Black Coffee Party. Uh, that's going to be just about the collective interests of black people. And they've been doing that in Louisiana. So you have examples out here. You talked about models earlier of what, what we could do. We just have to collect our people together and put forth an effort put forth a model that works and knowing that we're and why we're doing it. We're doing this for what's best for the total black collective. We have a um a caller. Caller, let me give out the phone number again. 641-715-3660 641-715-3660 The participant code is 549032 pounds. Just hit star six and want to come in on air the other way to ask a question or make a comment is to call the studio line 704-951-5030. We have a caller on the conference line, area code 973. Thank you for joining us today. Go ahead with your question or comment. Good afternoon. Can you gentlemen hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, okay, good afternoon. Great. Good afternoon, Mr. Reed, and good afternoon, Marcus Johnson. Um, I am so glad that you're, you're, you're here on the air today. I have three questions to ask you. First of okay. all, what would you say to people who say, I don't vote, I don't care about voting, voting's not going to do a doggone thing, and I think they're rigged. That's the first one. Did you also know, uh, Mr. Johnson, that the Jehovah Witnesses do not vote? 
And you know, there is a lot of Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, if we had that force to reckon with, I mean, they're on the street. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any person in America has not ran into a Jehovah Witnesses witness in one point in of their in in time in, in their lives. And thirdly, I know we cannot legislate our way out of voting. I mean, in terms of voting, but that, but we can make a difference in that area. I know it has to be a 360 degree circle. So when I hear people talk about, oh, it's not going to do anything, I don't vote. And also, you know, we do need to start to educate our children early in the process of voting. I think there should be, you know, I really do. I mean, I know. I feel there should be some type of mandate that people should vote before they get their driver's license be registered or something that will put a sense of urgency, light a fire beneath their behinds and, and really understand that this is very, very important. Because if we think about what um, our dear brother, ancestor um, uh, uh, Powell said, the only thing that the white man respects is your dollar and your vote. And I'll mute my line, right. sir. Thank you very much. All right, sir. Well, as we see some of our questions, they're all related, so maybe I can answer them in a couple of responses. Uh, taking the last one, we need to teach our young people about the voting process. There should be a civics engagement with the, within our community in teaching our people how to participate in this process uh, from a young age on up. And if we take the other sister's comments was about people not voting, so I'll go back to the civics question. Before I move on, we are having our national conference in Philadelphia. It is October 16th and the 17th. We'll be focusing on developing our operational strategy as well as leaders within the organization. So, we want people to come to Philadelphia. We'll have residents and members from all over the country that will be flying in to Philadelphia. Again, those dates are October 16th and 17th, and you can find more details on our website. We'll be laying out a new term, website template uh, that will be complete by the end of the week, uh, but all the details are set, and we'll be talking about issues just as this, as the sister has brought up, about how to vote, how to develop our strategy even further, and the meetings that we'll put in place that we'll be going out and fulfilling those. Those agenda items. So about voting, people in this country, yes, have been disinterested in voting, and we talked about it. We talked, touched on it a bit earlier because of that propaganda. We just, uh, we, we have the media that is on attack mode to make people disinterested. But we gotta recognize that no matter what they say, no matter what they do, that we have to address our needs and do it collectively. So we have to unite. We have to get our people together. And there are all sorts of examples of people that don't participate in voting, even the Asian community. Okay, a lot of them don't, do not vote, just the same as the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the sister mentioned. But what do they do? They do collect their dollars together. And they can't even, their numbers aren't even great to make a difference in the voting process. Not like black people. We are a large minority, still a large minority in, in, uh, in the United States, and a particular largest minority that can participate in the voting process. But even with the Hispanic community, not all of them are even eligible to vote. So we still have the power 
rested in our hands to be that difference maker. But we have to collect together and we have to utilize that power. Don't waste your power. What is knowledge without action? It amounts to failure. So we need to realize what we need to do and execute it mm-hmm. for our black collective. Um, before we go to break, uh, um, our top of the hour break, um, just to her to her point, whenever I hear somebody talking about, you know, black people, all black people vote and they only vote Democrat and all this and that, I say, number one, most black people don't even vote. If I go to, let's say, the um, uh, voter registration website for North Carolina, I may I may see like, you know, maybe six million registered black voters. But hell, it's 20 million black people eligible to vote in North Carolina. And I'm just throwing out those figures. Those aren't exact figures. So the fact is, most black people don't vote in the first place. All right. So for anybody to say, you know, then that, well, voting never matters or anything like that. Well, how do you know, you know, with the poor level of participation that we've had, you know, thus far? So, you know, mo- most of the people, uh, uh, excuse me, most people, most black people do not vote. Most people, period, do not vote in this country. But in looking at the black community, most of us do not vote. And then I would say of uh, the greater majority of those who do vote, like we've been discussing, are unconscious voters who just automatically push the lever for Democrats, you know. So, yeah, let's take let's take a break and then we'll continue the conversation on the other side. Again, listeners, uh, if you have any comments, if you have any questions, uh, the area code is um, excuse me, the conference line is six, four, one. 715-3660, 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549032-POUND. Hit star six and one to signal me that you want to come in on air. You can also dial uh, the studio line. That is a seven-digit number, 704-951-5030. We are having a conversation with Mr. Uh, is it Jackson or Johnson? Yeah, it's Jackson, Marcus Jackson. Okay, I thought so. Uh, Yeah, we are speaking with uh, Mr. Marcus Jackson, a representative of One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. Again, visit the website, IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side. Suggest that Negroes vote for I wouldn't suggest that they vote for any party or either party. Uh, I would suggest that the so-called Negroes become politically mature, realize the power that they hold uh, in the field of politics, and then uh, once the person who is running is aware that this man is awakened to the power that he holds, then that person who is running will approach that Negro on a more intelligent plane, as it is right now. Most of the Negro leaders sell out to the political, to the white politicians for crumbs. And uh, an awakening, a political awakening among Negroes will make it impossible for the present uh, Negro leaders to sell our people out as they've been doing in the past. Do you think Negroes should vote? Negroes should do whatever is necessary to bring about a complete solution to their problems. 
Which is, uh, when I say whatever is necessary, whatever is necessary. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in for this broadcast from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. And again, we are talking with Mr. Marcus Jackson of I Am One of the Million. All right, that's the website, I Am One of the Million.com. I Am One of the Million.com. The name of the organization is One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. Uh, how, how are we on time with you? Because I think we have probably gone over time with you my assistant probably said 30 40 minutes how are we on time are you good on time mr jackson uh, i'm sorry i didn't hear you sir i said i'm here on, i'm good on time i'm here for the people all right thank you thank you um and looking at i'm on the uh website again i am one of the million.com and i'm looking over uh, our proposed planks, a living document. I, I imagine a living document means that it's subject to change, that it's a work in progress. Well, it's something that we will, we will live by. We know that we get these things achieved that will change our life as a black people. It is proposed because a part of that, uh, the conference that I spoke about in Philadelphia, October 16th to 17th, uh, will be working to ratify uh, these, uh, this, this agenda. Mm -hmm. So we want to make it a, a collective effort, again, practicing that unity, practicing the operational unity uh, with, amongst our people uh, so we can ratify these things. So, yes, restricting the agenda, restricting the planet's agenda means that this, these are the things that we need in our lives uh, to, to change everything for the black collective. Mm -hmm. We need to practice that. These are things that we will negotiate, these are also agenda items that we can fulfill for ourselves. We're not waiting for a savior, uh, one of these political saviors to come by and, and think that they're going to correct everything. No, we have to do things for ourselves. And that's what we practice in uh, group economics. That's mm -hmm. something that public policy uh, may have a bit influence with, but that's something that we can do on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to buy black. But also, we have to also realize that we need to establish enough black businesses. If we took right now today, we said to all people, all black people, take your money out of whatever bank you have and then and put it into only a black bank. We likely would not have the capacity to fulfill everything. We wouldn't have the capacity for everyone to put their money in or everyone to shop at a certain store, a certain chain, or buy a certain item. But what does that mean? We have to develop infrastructure for our people. And we do that by collecting our dollars together and investing it into our own established businesses and developing or producing, shall I say, conscious black millionaires. Now, everyone loves Michael Jordan as a basketball player. But we got to recognize the brother needs to be doing more. We have to recognize that the brother, Michael Jordan, has not done enough for black people and other 
of our celebrities and such. They have not been doing this for the collective black people. Because why? A lot of times they don't want to mess up their bottom lines and such. Right. We have to be able to produce our own conscious millionaire. Imagine having someone with notoriety similar to Jordan and Magic and LeBron and such. But realizing that by strengthening the black community, would really be strengthening themselves. Yeah, I want to speak to that. I, I want to yeah. speak to that because you know Michael Jordan's a North Carolinian. Um, right. He's the owner of the Bobcats now. Well, no, they changed the name back to Charlotte Hornets. Um, but he famously was called out. There was a, a, a Senate campaign between Harvey Gantt, who was the black mayor of Charlotte, and Jesse Helms, longtime racist white supremacist, you know. And, and when Jordan was called upon to give an endorsement, he was like, well, I don't really, and I'm paraphrasing what he said. He was like, I don't get involved in that because, you know, Republicans buy shoes too, you know. And, and so, you know, well, for those people and some of the things you brought up about, well, these, these celebrities and these uh, athletes, they don't want to offend anyone because then they may not pick up an endorsement, get those commercials and things of that nature. But at the same time, those very corporations that they looking to get, you know, endorsement, pro- you know, deals with are involved in the political process, mainly through ALEC. You know, the American uh, Legislative Exchange Council, which is a bunch of conservatives, you know, um, they are involved in politics and using, you know, uh, legislating uh, mass incarceration because they are profiting from the prison slave labor. So, you know, these are things that these people need to be confronted about. You saying you don't want to, you know, lose a, a corporate deal. Uh, and so you're not going to get involved in politics in a way that could help, you know, your your people. But at the same time, you know, these these corporations are doing stuff to harm your people. So, brother, you're going to have to, you know, or guess what? We ain't going to buy the products that you endorse. And so how's that? There you go, brother. Now you got it. There's two ways that we, that we can support these. Uh, uh, we can support conscious black millionaires and conscious uh, owners to support Walmart, you can support anyone. We keep giving our dollars away without asking anything for it. Even the LGBT community, when that uh, that law was trying to be passed out in uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. what did they do? And and down in Arkansas, they put pressure on Walmart, and they had Walmart actually come out and say something that was in the political arena. Walmart is not a politician. Walmart is a, a is a chain store. But they put the, those community members put pressure on the business that they spend their dollars with to make and take action to influence public policy. We have to be doing the same thing. I'm going to give you we another. We are the consumers. We are the major consumers. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are exploited in this system of capitalism to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. We can change that by by, by determining where our dollars go, by boycotting these companies that don't want to address our issues because we know that they have the capability. We know that they have the capability. They've been doing it and showing examples over the years. And just recently, was, was this just year, as I said, with the LGBT community. So we know that they can do it. They're just not doing it for us. And going back to the Michael Jordan, we know that he can give 
and such, but he just don't want to do it because by somehow people think that claiming black or being being for the black collective is racist against everybody else. But everybody else is doing just the same thing for their own community. Exactly. But it's only it, it's only when black people do it. So you mean to tell me that you go to a Chinatown that they all a bunch of racists and that they wrong for having their own Chinatown? Mm-hmm. But we would be wrong for having our own little Africa and such. And even Jim Cleman, I'm a speaker about a, a decade ago and such, they went over to Detroit and they tried to develop a plan with, with, with Dr. Claude Anderson and put it forth to the black politicians there. Well, most of the city is, is, is run by black politicians. Uh, but they had their people in the background have gotten their ears and say, no, you can't develop a little Africa in, in, in Detroit. That's racist. So the black politicians actually turned it down. Mm-hmm. Now, can you believe that, brother? That we want to, our own people try to establish a community and develop a little, another Tulsa, Oklahoma and, and Rosewood and have our own. But we allow other people outside of our community that tell us and convince us that we are racist just mm-hmm. because we want to do for ourselves. You know, brother, tell when, me how that makes sense. when when Black Talk Radio was born, it was born on the website Blog Talk Radio. That is where first I started out with a political program in 2007, One Black Man's View. Then I wanted to move towards a collective type you know, radio program, instead of just being by myself, I wanted to develop a collective. So I started another program on that show where we had rotating hosts and it was called Black Talk Radio. And they suspended, they suspended my account for, uh, they said for what, two weeks that they were going to suspend it. And the reason that they gave was because it's named Black Talk Radio. And we went to your website and on your website, you got red, black, and green. And I'm like, what? That is why you are suspending my account? And so I let the people know that we've been suspended because we're Black Talk Radio and they're offended by the name. So all of those people who listen to, who have been following me over the years and following my radio program, they wrote Blog Talk Radio and, display, and, and expressed their displeasure in their practice of racism against black talk radio and they immediately restored my account but from that point on i was like you know what you'll never be able to shut my voice down again because guess what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build my own platform called black talk radio and so we've been independent of them ever since uh 2008 that's what we have to do and we have to go even further than that when we get our masses of people we have to go say all right Rock Talk Radio. Well, who are you? Who endorses you? Is it Walmart? Is it McDonald's? Is it X, Y, Z businesses out there? Well, we are going to retract our dollars from them because of the actions that you took against and made an offense against us building our infrastructure, and we are going to affect your infrastructure. We're going to hold our dollars so those people that we're spending our dollars with won't be contributing to you anymore. And they are a right-wing that's group. That's how we hold it. The management is right-wing. If you go to their website, you will see advertisement for Newsmax, you know, and, and the uh, owner of it has been on frequently on Fox News. 
you know. And, and so, yeah. you know, there's some of the they also host some programs. It was one this woman named Andrea King. And she said that those uh, black politicians that did not attend Benjamin Netanyahu's speak, uh, speech should be lynched. She said this. This is on mm-hmm. blog talk. Radio. Do you think that woman was suspended? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Hell no. Yeah. So, but going back to another example of the business, you know, you, you mentioned Walmart in the LGBT community. Now, the Carolina Panthers is named, it's not named Charlotte Panthers for a reason. It's called Carolina Panthers because it represents both North and South Carolina. The owner, Jerry Richardson, a former NFL player himself, a white man, um, uh, he made his billions. Uh, starting fast food chains. Hardee's is the one he's most known for. Uh, he went to school in South Carolina. I think he lived, yeah, he is a South Carolinian. All right. And, and so then when that issue came down with the, uh, uh, the terrorist Dylan Roof going in that church and gunning down those nine people, uh, one of the thing, one of the people who said that flag must come down was Jerry Richardson. And I was like, now that he said it, watch it come down because he because they because he has such tremendous influence politically through his business, through his NFL franchise, through his food franchise. And so when he talked, they listen. I think that is the reason the number one reason that flag came down because Jerry Richardson said it must come down. Yeah, exactly. And if we took our young people. Look at our young people. Let's look at another example. They buy what? Michael Jordan shoes all the time. If they stop, and, and they are the trendsetters. Our young people buy the shoes, and they are trendsetters. Other people buy Jordans because of us. Right. Because we created that style and, and, and created the trends for those things. So we took and came to Michael Jordan and said, you know what? Our youth, we have taught them, we have developed our youth to be conscious young people, and we're no longer buying your sneakers unless you can commit yourself to contributing to our internal and economic initiatives. Mm-hmm. I think right overnight, Jordan be reconsidering because mm-hmm. that's his base. We are his base. Right. But in this system of capitalism, we have to understand the position that we're in that Dr. Claude Anders has been telling us for years. We are the ones that are being exploited the most. And you go even going back to the Thirteenth Amendment that you were talking about that that right of slavery that our oppressors have had has just been transferred initially from the private sector to 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 the public sector when they set up these and developed more and more uh prisons and such and mm-hmm. started the peonage and, mm-hmm. and such and and rounding us up and making us work chain gangs and such mm-hmm. uh, and now they're getting more private um influence in there because it's the private companies that own right. prisons again. So now that, that, that right has been transferred back to the private industry. And, and look at all the other examples of it. Every aspect within capitalism, it needs a, a underclass. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for decades, hundreds of years, actually, it has been the black man and the black woman that has been at that bottom. Are we tired of being at the bottom? We need to collect together and unite together. And one million conscious black voters and contributors is calling for those conscious black men and women across this nation to unite together, to vote together, and to leverage our dollars together. We are saying that no more should we accept what we 
we've been accepting for years. No more will we have it. We need to do for us and be proud that we are doing for us. And just, I'd like to touch on a little more capitalism as such and really explain that system because capitalism is a system that rewards entrepreneurs for creating solutions. Okay? That is what capitalism does. It exploits people too, but this has a more ideological approach that rewards entrepreneurs for creating solutions. Well, we need to create our own solutions. We can think of example after example. Probably people, your listeners can think of example after example in their personal lives where their issues or their needs have not been addressed. You know, we dying to have, look at it in Baltimore. They said that they were crying out for a pharmacy to be built in their communities for years. So we actually crying and dying for someone else to give our money to. Mm-mm-mm. If we just unite, if we practice unity, it could have been 10 to 20 pharmacists coming from FAMU and our other uh, pharmacy schools that banded together, put their money together, or if we had our political, uh, not our political, our economic fund, our endowment set up, we could be given to our own initiative and establishing a pharmacy in the community that needs it. And we will be creating solutions for what our needs are. Not for, not to beg someone else to, to enable us to give us give them our money. We shouldn't be begging other people to give our dollars to. We should be creating solutions to so how our dollars can circulate within our community. And that's group economics. And that's utilizing capitalism for our gain, for our personal interest. That is the game changer. Economics is everything and we have to start practicing that for ourselves, within ourselves, by ourselves. The telephone number, if you would like to call in with a comment or a question, is 641-715-3660. That is 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. For those already dialed in, just hit star 6 and 1 to signal me, and I will unmute your line. You can also give us a call at 704-951-5030. you mentioned the 13th Amendment, and, and that'll be a good uh, segue into something else I wanted to bring up. And again, I understand that that one million uh, conscious black voters and contributors is, is fairly young, right? I mean, it's less than a year old, right? Right. And, and it, since, uh, since uh, September mm-hmm. uh, 2014. The idea is in there since before Obama initially ran back in 2007, but we really hit the ground running. Um, since uh, last year of September. Yeah, and, and so I, I just wanted to, to make that known so that what I'm saying isn't coming off as criticism or I'm asking, mm-hmm. well, what are you doing here or where are you doing there? No, you know, I, I'm, I'm not. And I understand there are some things going on behind the scenes that ain't, you know, for the public to know right now. So I understand that. Understand it, but one of the things that I was looking at and studying over the weekend, going back to the politicians who criticized the Black Lives Matter movement for not having a policy agenda, and then you know going back to what I was saying to my own group, the uh, you know informal group of new abolitionists about you know I'm taking that criticism level towards them to heart. 
and perhaps it's time for us to move away from just educate, not moving away, but but incorporating more than just education as our mission. And perhaps we need to, again, uh, look at the model of ALEC that writes the legislation that they then bring in the politicians and teach them how to sell the legislation in their states and then get the votes to pass that. We're talking about legislation written by lobbyists for the corporations. And I was like, okay, for example, we want a repeal of the 13th Amendment. We are calling for the repeal of the 13th Amendment. If we can't get a total repeal of the 13th Amendment that actually constitutionalized or legalized slavery as punishment for crime, then we want a removal of the exception clause. We don't want the Constitution to say uh, involuntary slavery in, in uh, excuse me, involuntary servitude and slavery shall be abolished except for punishment right. for crime. We want that except taken out. We want it totally abolished, period, point blank. So how will we do that? Well, I started looking at, you know, well, how do you write bills to begin with? Is it difficult to write bills? Is it difficult to write legislation? And so I, can, I did a little research. I came across this website, and it was talking about uh, writing bills for dummies. You know, the whole book series of how to do this for dummies. Right, and, and right. So it was like how to write a bill for dummies. And I was quite surprised to see how simple it was. And they suggested something that I had already done and put in practice. Um about what I don't know how long I've been divorced. I think I got divorced in 1993, but I was uh, also uh, uh, fighting for custody of my children, and I wasn't happy with the lawyers who I had paid and who were, you know, basically not doing anything, uh, in, in my opinion, but you know, just just uh, stringing me along and then want more money. So I was like, no, I'll do this myself. I was like, how hard can it be? So I studied case law. All right. And then I studied the format. How do I write up my motion that I want to put before the judge to rule on my motion to do this or do that? How do I format that? How do I then get it on the calendar? How I get it on the docket? And and all I did was just simply copy the work of the previous attorneys, copy the format. I know it has to be formatted like this and it's got to have this language and I got to have, you know, the affidavit on the back saying that this is true and, and, and what not and and so i mean i was able to introduce that and successfully win motions when i came before the judge to argue all right okay so this is the same thing they said with these bills go look at a bill that has been passed and copy that format now i want to repeal i want to repeal the 13th amendment okay I, or amend the 13th amendment so i said whoa okay let me go look up ted cruz's bill to repeal Obamacare and see how he formatted it and how he worded it. And it is not. And I mean, this didn't even take one page. His bill wasn't even one page long, you know. And, and, and so in terms of the new abolitionist movement, like I said about Hillary Clinton telling those BLM activists, well, where's your policy agenda and what do you want? What laws you want to pass? I said in terms of the things that they're talking about. On the t terms of police brutality, mass incarceration, and all that, 
You don't need to propose no new legislation. All you need to do is repeal the legislation that got us here. So you repeal the omnibus, you know, uh, crime control act. You repeal the uh, policies that the executive branch has to hire veterans and combat veterans, many of them, you know, giving police departments incentives to put people on the police force from the military that may be suffering from PTSD. So we will repeal that. Okay, and, and and so I was like, man, repealing stuff, that's easy. That doesn't take a hold. You just name the legislation that you want to repeal and you put in there repeal. So that's what I'm saying. Is that something that you all have to discuss if you can share that uh, of getting into actually writing the legislation like we see these lobbyists do? Because like from what I was reading, they said that when you go to a representative, they will more readily accept what you are proposing if you've already done the legwork for them. See, right now, from me standing on the outside, what I see people asking these candidates to do is, we need you to address this issue and that issue. But they haven't written the legislation that they want them to push and put it in their hand and done the, all the hard, heavy lifting for them. Then you give it to the uh, uh, politician and his staff, and then they basically, you know, just fine tune it and then work on introducing it. So, um, I mean, that process isn't even very complicated. So is that something that you have heard in discussions with your fellow uh, members of one million black uh, conscious black voters and contributors? Yeah, no, definitely. brother. You've laid it out pretty good. Definitely. Uh, one of our sisters uh, in Capitol Hill right now. Uh, lobbying for uh, a law that that sister organization has drafted. Uh, that would be the Urea law, and that addresses the unbridled and unconstitutional, we believe, uh, power that law enforcement officers have in this country. So that's something that uh, we had taken an interest with, that's in line with uh, our policy uh, points that we have on our website. Uh, you know, point number six is community control of police. We want to be involved uh, when law enforcement come into our community so we can avoid those situations of Trayvon Martin. He belonged in his own community. And he was shot down in a gated community where he was a resident of. Uh, and so this law, we need to be able to address not only the police officers that stop our cars like Sandra Bland, we need to be able to have legislation that's over the prison guards mm-hmm. and over those public safety officials uh, like like who murdered Trayvon Martin. We need to have legislation that, is, is a, that addresses all of them in law enforcement. Uh, and this Urea law, the Uniform Reporting Law Enforcement Improvement Act, would create a database that all law enforcement officers would have to be in. They would all be in one database. So in a case where, you know, going back with Sandy Bland, that officer was a part of a different department and was fired for his racist backgrounds and, and incompetence and such, but was able to transfer to another department still mm-hmm. within law enforcement mm-hmm. and continue continue on his, his, his way. Mm-hmm. So all the people down at Prairie View College, they had been complaining about it for years. Yeah, the cops sit out there and drive up behind them, um, tailgating them, and get you to entice the drivers and motorists 
the commitment mistakes is basically entrapment. That's what it is. Yes, they it are is. breaking the law. It's entrapment is what mm-hmm. they're doing. And pull people over and terrorize them either by shooting them down, killing them at the uh, police station, or simply giving a ticket. It's all their terrorism. That's all under that one umbrella of terrorism that mm-hmm. these law enforcement officers are practicing. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to have legislation that's going to correct that. Yes, I do agree with you. Appeal the, um, the, the law, some of the laws that we have in place, but we also need to look at where, are there any holes mm-hmm. in the system? Mm-hmm. And we can recognize again and again that there are holes uh, within the system. So we want to be able to do the most that we can, not just accept uh, any, any type of uh, uh, settling out. Mm-hmm. That uh, these politicians and these, these moderate people want you to just uh, conform to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to change uh, the, our way of life for black people. Right. You know, and, and to be honest with you, it's not just black people that are being terrorized. It's all people, all non-white. Yes. To be, to be honest with you, that are being terrorized, and even some white people are being are being stopped and and uh, and, and hassled and, and such. So it's really all Americans that should want to correct this and this current system that we're living in. Yeah, I you certainly believe agree. that there can be good cops out there, we'll prove it. You mm-hmm. know, how can we really prove that there's a good cop when you have a total system or so many, should I say, so many bad cops within it and we have their superiors that only want to quell issues. They don't really want to address it. Right. You know, you have a good cop, let's say you have a quote-unquote good cop that wants to tell on, you know, an uh, injustice that he saw. The superiors don't want to even listen to it. And we've and seen that. that person. And yeah, we've, we've seen, seen that. that. Michael mm-hmm. Fogg. Yeah, they terrorized the Michael uh, Fogg cop. out in Illinois. He, mm-hmm. was, he was shot at. He mm-hmm. was a cop and, and went to go do the right thing. And, and uh, the life was uh, attempted to be taken from him. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. This system is, is the problem. Mm-hmm. This system is the problem. The superiors that are set in place with the police chiefs and the city managers and the mayors, they just want to do it as a, a put out a situation that contains um, incidents that go on and, and, and shut people up. And a lot of times they're paying off these lower-level politicians and city councilors and such that uh, may be in our district to shut us up. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that. We can't have our black politicians being able to be taking, taking money uh, just to shut their mouths and such. We need real conscious individuals to be put in power and our conscious individuals in the community as well that's going to step up and put the pressure on everybody. Mm-hmm. Most certainly agree. Um, do want to let the listeners know we're going to take our last break of the uh, program. Do want to let you know Tando Radio Show will be on at 6 o'clock p.m. Brother Dave is hosting the topic, the table of preparedness and how it should be uh, set. That's the table of preparedness and how it should be set. That's Tando Radio Show coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time right here on Black Talk Radio Network. But right now, uh, we are having a constructive conversation with Mr. Marcus Jackson, a representative of one million conscious black voters and contributors. And we invite you to contribute to the conversation. You can give us a call at 641 715 60 that's 641 715 3660 the participant code is 549032 pound 
Hit star six and one if you want to signal me for those who are already dialed in. The other way is to hit us up on the studio line, 704-951-5030. We're going to take our last uh, break of the program and we will come back um i have um some specific proposals i would like to put out there uh some area that i've been looking at that i would like to get mr jackson's thoughts on you're listening to black talk radio news broadcasting every monday tuesday thursday and friday right here on black talk radio network do whatever we do to survive drop it This is Brother Elliot, first of time for an awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio. All right, let me uh, check the phone lines. Okay, we don't have any new questions. Um, one of the things, Brother Jackson, that I was looking at, um, I, I don't live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I do have family that live in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I live in the country, um, you know, uh, in an unincorporated uh, area. A lot of people, we refer to it as the sticks or the woods or something like that, right? Uh, but I do have to travel to Charlotte sometimes. My daughters work in Charlotte, so the things that concern me, they go, you know, they go on in Charlotte is of a concern of mine. And so we just had the Randall Carrick trial, the uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer who was charged with with uh, involuntary manslaughter against Jonathan Farrell, and that trial ended in a mistrial. All right. And I was happy that it ended in a mistrial as opposed to an acquittal. But I knew going in that it was going to either end in a mistrial or it was going to end in an acquittal when I found out just how many white people was on the jury. You know, the majority of the jury was white. Now, the reason I was the reason I felt that way is because I got exposed to research and studies that showed that white people, the majority, not all. Um, let me stress that I'm not saying all white people, but the majority of white people who participated in these studies are incapable. They are incapable of empathizing with non-white people. Period. Non-white people, uh, Latinos, Native Americans, black people, if they were non-white, the majority of white people did, could not empathize with them. What, what I think it's important to define what empathy is because it is not sympathy. Sympathy is when you feel sorry for somebody. We don't want people in a jury feeling sorry, you know, like that black juror who voted to convict this killer cop said, I wasn't moved by his tears. You know, I didn't have no sympathy for him. Empathy, empathy means that you are able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. 
in in that situation and and objectively you know look at it from that perspective it is not the same thing as feeling sorry for somebody it's just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes now considering that white people the majority of them lack the ability to empathize with non-white people i would say that that should disqualify them from sitting on a jury all right that that is a violation of the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, which guarantees a, and I hate this word, but fair and, and impartial jury. If you have a jury that is unable, a jury member who is unempathized with a non-white person, then he is not capable of, or she is incapable of rendering an impartial verdict. They can't function at, at, at objectively. And so those people should be pro, uh, uh, prevented from sitting on the juries. Now, how would you screen these people out? Well, that's when I started. I, I undertook this project over the weekend that I did not see myself partaking in. But they already have online tests that you can take that show it doesn't test for racial empathy, but it tests for empathy. Because, see, a lot of people with autism. Even mild forms of autism are incapable of empathizing with people. And I'm thinking, well, perhaps it, maybe they, let's just be politically correct. Maybe the majority of these white people aren't bona fide racist white supremacists. Maybe they just got a slight case of autism. Either way, I don't want a mentally, you know, a, a, a challenged person sitting on a jury. Whether it's cause they racist and therefore they can't empathize with non-white people or they touched by autism and they can't empathize with, with other people, period. And so they have written tests for that. All right. And so you could take a test and it determines your empathy level. So I was like, well, what about racial empathy? All right. So that 2010 study, they hooked these people up to, you know, like brain imaging. Uh, machines that, you know, where they can, you know, uh, uh, see the activity of, of the brain. And what they did was show these white people, different people engaged in certain activities, right? You know, like cutting the grass, maybe riding a bike or making a sandwich or something like that. And the brain region that, that, that lights up, you know, for empathy, when they would see pictures of white people performing tasks, white like them, that region lit up but when they saw non-white people performing those same tasks they it, it either barely registered or it didn't register at all so then i'm thinking okay maybe we can combine these two studies that we can get this set of questions that test for empathy but then with the questions have pictures Okay, with with people, you know, of different ethnic backgrounds, different racial classifications. And the way that we would would test for racial empathy is to ask the same questions over and over, but in a different in different wording. And then have, you know, like a white person's picture, then a black person's picture, then an Asian person's picture. So we know then if they answer any differently than what they answer for that white person picture, but then you come to a, the, the same question just worded differently and it's got a black person's picture and then you register a negative response. Well, we know then right then and there that you are incapable of empathizing with other people. And then I feel like this is a test that 
that if we can develop this test, which I'm reaching out to some psychology students, I've already reached out to a brother I, um, who was a guest on this program. He uh, does. He uh, is one of the owners of uh, EveryBlackEvent.com, and and he builds databases. And so I'm getting with him to see if he can build this database that I'm talking about. And and then if we could then push legislation to force all of these potential jurors, jurors and everybody, mind you, not just white people, will undergo this racial empathy test, uh, which we wouldn't call it racial empathy test because that would give it away, right? We'll just call it voter, uh, uh, no, we'll call it uh, juror impartiality test, something like that. You know what I'm saying? And so then if we could do that, and then push the legislation to where every potential juror has to undergo this testing. Take it out of the hands, the jury challenge, you know, where the defense attorney and the prosecutor, let's say, has 10 challenges and they can strike somebody from the juror, from the jury pool for just being black. You know what I'm saying? Which this has been shown to be a problem with racism in the criminal justice system of uh, keeping black people off the juries. And so I felt like if we can develop the test first and patent it and whatever, and then we could uh, uh, pass the le- write the legislation on a state level at each every state level and then require that all jurors undergo this screening so that we can then better provide an impartial juror, uh, jury pool for, uh, in accordance with the Sixth Amendment, which they're in violation in now, that that might help eliminate some of these racial disparate outcomes we're seeing in these cases like a Trayvon Martin case like a like a uh, Jonathan Farrell case like a you know you just name any case where these white jurors predominantly white jurors have let these killer cops go free or anybody for killing a black person what are your thoughts on that brother it is an excellent idea I definitely think it's an excellent idea we should push forward with that and also consider it on the, the national level because as you said, it's something that goes in direct contradiction with a, a national amendment that's over all, uh, all courts, all court proceedings in America. Um, and I'd be willing to hear about it even further and try to give a national platform to, uh, to help that effort. Um, currently with our organization, I have members in 32 different states across the country. Uh, so we just need to always reach a critical mass mm-hmm. of people that's going to push forward uh, something, push forward an agenda. Uh, that's how we, we truly get things done. That's how we truly get the solutions that we need. We need that that, 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 that great mass of people. Uh, we need to have politicians that's in your pocket. And right. Going back to those uh, political fronts, because there's only the two ways to get things done in America with affecting public policy. You have the politicians in hand already, or you have a critical mass of people that's going to be demanding it and putting pressure on everybody, not letting it go. Mm-hmm. And those are those conscious individuals mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be uh, for the black community, for what's best for the black collective. Uh, so we have opportunity, even with this organization, to actually do both. We can get that critical mass of people by getting at least our one million and call on those one million to be able to contribute as well. Contribute to the 
political efforts and public policy efforts as well as contribute to economic efforts that we'll have. We can actually be doing both. You don't have to settle for one or the other. We are the community that needs to step up, and this is the time right now that we need it. And there's so much more that, that, oh, yes, go ahead, sir. I'm, I'm so sorry, but you know, Mr. Reed, that is like four stars for you. Um, I study a lot in autism, and there's one in 68, uh, uh, one in 68 that a person may be diagnosed with autism and have the uh, autism. It's called the autism spectrum, where it starts right. with classical autism, high functioning, persuasive development disorder, ADD, ADHD. So you have the scientific grounds to work from, sir. So I mean, this is this is truly. Uh, I think you can really get somewhere with this based on the scientific data that one in sixty-eight will have autism, and it, it, it may the, the, the figures are, are getting even. Alarming. And, and, and so isn't isn't my research correct in what I read when saying that yeah, the lack of empathy is one of the lack of that is the first thing special in their social they're socially inept. Yes, <laughs> yes, very much. You know that um the Google not the Google but um uh, let's see uh let's see, what's Microsoft guy what's his name the guy he stepped down but he has uh. PDD, which is called persuasive development disorder. He is very socially inept. I forgot his name. Oh my God, the guy who started Bill um, Gates. Bill Gates. Yes, if you go up and look at him, Mr. Reed and Mr. Jackson, he. But he's very. They have these other abilities that suppress. But he is socially inept. So yes, he lacks empathy. Yes, he does. You can't. They. They don't know how to take social cues and different things of that nature. So you are hitting. 100 with that, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the confirmation, um, you know, with something that you have experience with, because I, I had actually seen that statistic. One in 68 children are diagnosed with autism. So imagine if that's a that's a millions of people in this country that's sitting on juries with a form of autism, you know, whether it's, it's severe or whether it's mild, but don't have an ability to empathize with anyone. And they shouldn't be on a jury. And then, you know, when you bring in the racist aspect of this society, I, I would say even more of them lack the ability to, to have empathy towards non-white people. Again, the scientific studies have already been done and, and documented. And so this is a violation of our Sixth Amendment rights of having a fair and impartial jury. So it's something I'm certainly going to pursue. And I appreciate the feedback. Uh, Brother Jackson. Um, Tell us if how do one how does one become one of the million? I mean, do they pay like is there like a, a, a membership dues and things of that nature so that you can have the funding to do the things that you need to do? How does one become one of the million black uh, voters, conscious black voters and contributors? Sure thing. So we make it easy. We base it on reading and your love for black people. You go to our website, you'll read up on the information. If you so choose to believe in what we do and, and, and love the effort, and you will sign up. You'll go to scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll hit the sign up button, uh, put in your information, in particular your email, because that's how we communicate. Um, we're sending out conference call details and such. And you will become one of the millions. You know, to, when you talk about raising dues and such, we don't believe in the dues process in particular, uh, what we do is we sell items 
Okay. That, that our membership can, can buy. So we sell our t-shirts. We have a uh, bottle of water line that's going to become available partner in with uh, one of our conscious, again, one of our conscious black owners yeah. in the Maryland area. He sells uh, alkaline water. And um, so we can say, even if you use that example, if you bought a case of alkaline water, which is 20, let's say $25, if a million of us each did that, then that brother will be making $25 million. So we can call on our people to cre- actually create conscious black millionaires. And a part of that partnership, these uh, conscious uh, business owners realize that they would be contributing back to uh, internal initiatives that we have. And we just continuously will be circulating dollars within our community and doing for self instead of uh, what we've been doing is turning our monies over and such. Uh, so again, you go to our website, and I can give that now, which is I am one of the million dot com. Our name is One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors, and you can sign up. We want you to do that now, not wait till tomorrow. Don't put off what you can do today on tomorrow. Let's do it right now on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your PC. Go to IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Amazing and powerful things are happening. And we want to extend the invitation for all people nationwide to come to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's on October 16th and October 17th. We'll be having our training sessions and our convention. Friday is a full length of uh, training sessions and development. Saturday, we'll be continuing our training. And in the afternoon and the evening, We'll be presenting some renowned uh, speakers in our in our lecture series, as well as followed up by a concert. So tickets to that for adults will be twenty dollars, students fifteen dollars. But anyone, uh, any youth that are seventeen and under, actually can attend for free. Because again, as we touched on earlier, we got to teach our young people. Okay, even with this Black Lives Matter movement. We know that those are mostly our young people, teenagers, where they starting off that. we got to give them guidance and such and really get to them. We need to set up in a dynamic range of consciousness from the young to the old. Keep on passing that baton back and forth, generation to generation. Time is now. Now tell us again how we can sign up on the website. Sure thing. You click, it'll be a floating button, as they call it, or... Uh, the sign up button. You click on that, it'll take you to the portion of the page where you will enter in your name, put in telephone number, and importantly, put in your email, uh, and we'll be in contact with you with that. Mm-hmm. So it's quite simple. You just put in your information at the website, and you are one of the million. You'll receive your, pack, your welcome package, um, and it will contain documents, follow up documents that you'll need read and such to be more familiar with the program and be ready to be engaged. Mm-hmm. And that website is I am one of the million dot com. And I'm on I there one of the million dot com. I'm on there right now and actually it's right there on the front page. When you hit the front page, if you scroll down, you know, towards the bottom, you will see the form where you can put in your information and says become part of the movement register here so that's right there on the front page just scroll down and you'll see it right there 
Well, I want to thank you again for joining us today, uh, Mr. Jackson, and I hope to have, if not you, you know, other representatives from uh, one million conscious black voters and contributors to regularly come on our network and, and help to, you know, inform our people about the political process and the economic side of it as well. But I think it is very important that we start acting like a conscious black voting block that's 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 at the top of the list if you participate in voting you need to be a part of a block of voters that are that know what they're doing and actually have an agenda and and we're not voting for the agenda of the democrats or the republicans or the green party or anyone else we're voting our agenda so as we wrap it up did you have any final thoughts you would like to share with the listeners mr jackson well, first, I wanted to share with you uh, as well, in particular on that Friday session, we'll be having a media press conference. So we will call on all media, all conscious black media outlets to come to Philadelphia uh, to be a part of this. And you can take part in the proceedings, all the events, uh, three, four, the media outlets uh, for our conscious black brothers and sisters that want to cover our event. And one of the featured guests at our conference is Marcus Garvey's son, Dr. Julius Garvey. So we'll be doing some big and powerful things. He was the one that continued on with the UNI effort and, and continued his father's footsteps. So we'll have that world-renowned brother in our midst. Mm-hmm. So we want all the kinds of media that they will come so we can tell our story. Tell our story. Don't rely on the mainstream media to try to get it right for us. we got to do it for ourselves. We gotta support ourselves. So I want all the, the, the new members, prospective members, to make sure that you are signing up and we'll invite you to Philadelphia. Please go to that website. By the end of the week, all the details will be up on how to engage in that. We even have some rooms locked off at hotels. But we want to make this an easy process for you to come to Philadelphia and participate with us. October 16th and 17th. This year. All right. Well, certainly we will. And, and of course, one of our media partners right here on Black Talk Radio Network, Time for Awakening Radio, is based in Philadelphia. Brother Elliot, Brother Ridge, Brother Ralph, they all have, uh, I think, are very involved in, in the movement. So certainly we will have. They are. Uh, yeah. All right. They are indeed. All right. Well, Mr. Jackson, again, thank you for joining us today, sir. I thought our conversation and information you shared was very constructive and much success and we uh, to you and the movement, and we will stay in touch with you. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. All right. You have a great day, sir. All right, brother. All right, listeners, that concludes our uh, interview with Mr. Marcus Jackson. Stay tuned as Tando Radio Show. It will be on air here shortly. Um, again, the telephone numbers have changed. The number for Tando Radio Show, the conference line is the same. So I'm not even going to hang up on the conference line. If you want to stay in there and listen to the Tando Radio Show, let me get that number out again. 641 715 3660. That's 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. All right. So, yeah, we've had to make some changes, but that'll be the last change. All right. Okay. So, 
recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines it's a war zone out there casualties are being created every day once you recognize this then you hopefully will develop battlefield awareness uh survival skills and then that will decrease the likelihood that you become a victim or a casualty behind these enemy lines there's no guarantees but you should do everything that is within your power to prevent anything happening to you and your family all right so until tomorrow peace and blessings to all stay tuned for a tando radio show this is scotty and black talk radio news signing out Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.